Well, hey everyone, Pastor Stephen here, and I want to thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, we actually uh, will be doing baptisms today. We're going to do them at the end of service. There's not just one person actually getting baptized here in first service. There's um, either four or five, I believe, that are going to be baptized here in first service. Uh, Chris misspoke, which just goes to show you that you can never send a youth pastor to do a grown-up job. So <clears throat> I'm kidding, Chris. I'm just kidding. I'm only saying that in jest. Uh, we do have uh, a few getting baptized, though. So if you are one of those that are getting baptized, you can go ahead and, and go get ready for that and then come back and sit in the service instead of me trying to remember to remind you uh, halfway through the, uh, through the message here today. So please go ahead and do that. Um, one quick reminder is that we do have a new Bible study that is happening on Sunday afternoons. We are in our final uh, three messages that I'm gonna be giving on the end time series called Endgame, but I want to continue that because there's so much more. It is so much more in depth. There's so many incredible things in the Bible that need to be addressed and looked at and revealed. And so if you would like to come and be a part of that, last week we were live streaming it and our live stream quit halfway through. And so uh, that did not get uh, put together or not get, you, you weren't able to follow it if you were live streaming it. Uh, we did salvage part of the video. I'm gonna add some supplemental teaching to that video and then upload it to our website and YouTube page so that you can be in, in, engaged with that. But if you'd like to live stream it or watch it later, those will be available to you. I said last week that we are uh, in the process of remodeling our children's ministry area. And I wanna encourage you to continue to uh, think about giving to that. You can give through cash, checks, gold and silver, uh, Amazon stock if you want to give that way. Uh, there is an online giving. There's a button on our online giving platform that says that you, if you want to donate to the children's ministry. So please consider doing that. Let's get in to the message today. We're down to the final three messages. I had a weird um, weird dream last night. In fact, I don't even remember the dream. Uh, but I woke up about 3 a.m. Uh, after having some kind of a dream. And I, again, I don't remember even what it was, but there was a scripture that came to my mind and it was 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. And all of a sudden, about 3 a.m., I woke up and that scripture, 2 Peter 3, 11, was on my mind. Well, I fell back asleep and I didn't think anything of it, and then I woke up again at about five. And at five, again, that scripture all of a sudden came to my memory, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. I went to sleep and I woke back up at about 5.45 to get up and get ready for, uh, for church on Sunday, and that scripture again was at the forefront of my memory. And I, I don't know what it even said, I don't know why I had that. And so the first thing I did when I got out of bed is I looked up 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, and I wanted to know and see what that verse said. And so I opened it up, and here's the words that it says. It says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people should you be 
live your lives in holiness and godliness. I looked at the context of all that it said, and I want to read the whole three verses of the context. Here's what it says. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will melt and disintegrate, and the earth and everything done on it shall be exposed. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people should you be? Live lives in holiness and godliness looking for and, and hastening the coming of the day of God. In that day, the heavens will be dissolved by fire, the elements will melt in the intense heat, but in keeping with his promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I read that verse and I thought, what, what Lord are you saying? Why would you wake me up or why would you put this verse on my mind? And I think that the reminder of this verse was indeed exactly what it said, live lives of holiness and godliness. As you know that the end is coming and we see things that are happening in our society, dangerous, sick things that are anti-God happening in our society. Some of the legislation that is being passed, some of the executive orders that are being put through are incredibly anti-God and they can have devastating impacts upon the church as a whole. How do we respond to that? Well, we live lives of holiness and godliness, that that becomes what we live for. Do you know, we have an enemy that we are facing. We are fighting a battle. The Christian believer is fighting a battle against this world. As a church, as a church universal, the church across all this world, believers in Christ, we are fighting an enemy. We are fighting against the powers of darkness. We are fighting against the forces of wickedness, the spiritual battle that is going on. Sadly, recognizing that we have an enemy without, the most devastating things that happen are the attacks that we face within. We are collectively a body, an army, and we are to be training our weaponry outside, looking at the outside, but instead, what does the church do? The church turns and shoots each other. That is the sad state of the church in the world today. Rather than recognizing the enemy without, we shoot each other within. <clears throat> instead of that, let's be godly and holy as we live life and look forward to the return of Christ. He has a set of standards. He has a set of standards that he is calling us to follow. His standards are laid out in his word, and we are going to be facing a day where we can't back down. We're going to have to make a decision. Will I be holy and godly, or will I compromise on everything that God has said? May we be people who never compromise, who never back down, but stand firmly on the word of God, no matter what the consequences. Well, today, in our final three messages in the in-game series, today's message title is The Need for Faithfulness at the End of All Things. Let's pray and jump into God's word in Matthew chapter 24 here today. <clears throat> Father, we come to you humbly, we come to you seeking your truth. We come to you, Lord, wanting to hear from you. It's not about us. It's not about our will. It's not about our plans. It's about you. It's about your kingdom, your will, your plan being accomplished in this world. I pray, Father, that our lives 
would be characterized by holiness and godliness. And if there are any of us in here today, Lord, that if we were just to be asked that question by you, are you being holy and godly? If any of us in here would say, no, we're not. No, I'm not right now. I pray that you would convict us, that we would repent, and that we would turn to you seeking your will and your way. Lord, as we open your word now, teach us and show us your truth. Be with us now as we open the words of your book and help us to be people of your book. Help us to learn and grow in the ways that we need to grow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we are, we have gone through in this in-game series, the prophecies given by Jesus. The prophecies given by him were literal events. He was not using, uh, he was not using figurative language. He was giving literal events of what was going to happen. Then at the end of those literal events, he turned the corner and he he began to give a series of parables, parabolic teaching to show us how we were to stay faithful, how we're to look forward to him and his coming as we go through the end of all days. Now, for today, I want to go back and just summarize a few things, a few statements that Jesus made starting in the end of Matthew 23, and I want to connect it all the way through what we're talking about here today in the parables. There is a common theme, a common thread that runs through this entire teaching that Jesus does. And I want to point this thread out, this common word that comes up over and over again in Matthew, at the end of 23, all of Matthew 24, into to all of Matthew 25. Here's this common word. At the end of Matthew 23, Jesus is in the temple, and as he is in the temple, he is giving a series of woes, consequences, and judgments to religious hypocrites. He is talking to people who pretend they follow God, but their hearts are far from him. He gives a series of woes, and then Jesus concludes this entire series with this thought. He says this, look, your house, that is the temple, is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will never see me again until you say, Baruch Habab Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to leave. You're not going to see me again, but you will see me again someday. But it will not be until the day that you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, that is the Jewish people turning to Jesus, turning and recognizing who he is. Uh, That has not happened yet. That is, Jesus, when he gives that, is a prophecy out of the book of Daniel and out of Psalm 118. Now, I want to show you a key word that he uses over and over again, and this brings together all of his teaching. He says this, blessed is he who comes in the name of of the Lord. And I want you to notice that word. The word comes in the name of the Lord, that he will come again. It will be the return of Jesus that will happen. Matthew 24, verse 3, the disciples were puzzled, so they asked Jesus a question. Tell us, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus, you just said you're leaving, but you're going to come again. What is the sign of your coming? Well, then he says this to the disciples. He says, look, there are going to be many people who will come in my name. 
So you're looking for my coming, but there are others that are gonna come in my name, and their purpose is to deceive you. They will say, I am the Messiah, and they will lead many astray. Jesus says, you won't see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When are you coming? Well, don't worry about it. There are gonna be many who are coming in my name. Then Jesus says in Matthew 24, 14, this good news of the kingdom shall be proclaimed in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So again, when are you coming? Well, I'm coming after the testimony has been proclaimed to all the nations. This has not happened yet, but with the internet taking hold, with videos being out there, with the missions movements that have happened, we are getting closer and closer, and I believe this will happen quickly that it will be quickly uh, that these things will happen. Then Jesus says in Matthew 24, 27, for just as lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so also, again, will be the coming of the Son of Man. So you won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes. The disciples say, well, when are you coming? Well, don't worry because many people are gonna come in my name and they're gonna be false. But when, the, when the, uh, the testimony is proclaimed everywhere, then I will come. And when I come, you're gonna see it happen just like lightning flashing from the east to the west. That will be the coming of the Son of Man. Matthew 24, 30 and 31. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and all the tribes of the land will mourn. Then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a great shofar and they will gather together his chosen from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So this is that common theme. Jesus, when are you gonna come? Well, let me tell you when I'm gonna come and here's what it's gonna look like and here's how it's gonna happen. This is the common theme that they're looking for. So it begs the question, what should we be doing in anticipation of the Lord's coming, to which Jesus gives a series of parables. The first parable that Jesus gives is this. He says, number one, I want you to be discerning. And he used the example of this fig tree, the fig tree that was barren in the winter, but in the springtime, a leaf began to pop out. When the leaf popped out, you can know that springtime is almost here. So look at the signs and be discerning of the signs of the times. Jesus says this, so also when you see all these things, know that it is near, it is at the door. My coming back is right at the door. Now that is a reference to Ezekiel chapter 44 verses one through three, where it says that the Messiah will come to the east gate of the temple mount. That's the door that Jesus is talking about. He ascended into heaven from that point. He will descend. He will come back to the door. After a winter of tribulation, there will be a springtime of blessing that will happen when he comes back, when he returns. The second parable that Jesus gives then is what we talked about last week. He said, I want you to also be alert. Don't just be discerning, be alert. Now look at all of these connecting words. For just as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And they did not understand the people in Noah's day, even though they had been warned and warned and warned, they didn't pay any attention to it, they did not understand it, until the flood came and it swept them all away into judgment. 
so it shall be at the coming of the Son of Man. Therefore stay alert, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. So you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. All of these words, this entire teaching is just about his return. It's about his coming again. I will be coming and here's the signs and here's what you should look for. Here's what you should be prepared for because I am coming again. Too many believers live with the idea and the impression that he is never going to return when in fact he has promised it over and over again and he has said, here's the signs to be looking for. Well, the third parable that he gives is the parable we're gonna talk about right now. And the third parable is Jesus saying, I want you now to be faithful. So be discerning, be alert, and be faithful. Let's look at what he says. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whose master finds him so doing when he comes. Again, who's coming? The Lord is coming. Blessed is the one who is being faithful and wise when the master comes. Amen, I tell you, his master will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, my master is taking a long time, and he begins to beat his fellow servants, and he eats and he drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in two and assign his place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what is this parable all about? There are two possible applications that happen with this parable. I'm gonna spend a lot of time on the second one, but I wanna cover real quickly the first possible application. It's written to people who are called to be stewards, who are called to be wise uh, servants over the master's house. Now, in many ways, you can take that, that parable and apply it to pastors and leaders whom God has put in charge over his master's house. They have been put in charge. They have been called to a position. And they are to use that position and use that authority for the purpose of feeding and taking care of the household. It says, in fact, give them food at the proper time. Now, there are a lot of pastors today who are using their position and their authority for, in ways that are completely against what God's plan is. And I would encourage you to be very careful about who you listen to and who you follow. Make sure that they are people who are really genuinely giving food and really genuinely protecting the household that God has put them in charge of. You hear more and more today about pastors and leaders who are using their positions in order to get fame, in order to get greed, to benefit from material possessions and sexual conquests. More and more you're hearing stuff like that. Make sure that your pastor is living lives of holiness and godliness. 
I hear stories about pastors who have a fleet of private jets, who have vacation homes all around the world, who live opulent, lavish lifestyles, who are teaching things that are contrary to what God's word and God's standard says. Now, just so you know, I do not have a fleet of private jets at all. I do not have a set of vacation homes. I don't have any of that, but you are welcome to talk to me if you have concerns with me about that particular issue. God says to be careful because those pastors and those leaders, you know, you you hear these stories of Christian leaders, of major Christian organizations who are living a double life. God is saying, look, you're gonna have your consequences if you are living like that. That's one application of the parable. But there's a second one, and I think it's even more appropriate here for us today. And the second application of the parable is that the, there, it's a universal application, and the person who is the wise and faithful steward is you and me. That we are called to be wise and faithful as believers in those whom God has called us to lead. You have people in your life, whether you know it or not, that you are leading. If you're a a husband, you're leading your family. If you are a wife, you are also a leader of your family. You have children that you are leading that he has put you in charge of. Children, you have siblings that you are in charge of and that you are leading. If you're an employer, you're leading your company. You're leading your employees. If you're an employee, you're leading fellow employees. If you're a teacher, you're leading your students. If you're a student, you're leading other students in your classroom. Whatever God has called you to do, you have areas of influence and authority. God has put you in charge of those things and he's called you and I to be faithful and wise servants of whatever he has put us in charge of. Well, there's three things from this parable that I want to point out and look at when it comes to being a faithful and wise servant. First, a faithful and wise servant has a calling. A faithful and wise servant has a calling. Every one of us in this room has a calling by which we have been called of God. When I read that verse in 2 Peter 3.11, do you know what we're called to? We're called to live a life of holiness and godliness. That's a calling on your life. You have a job that God has wanted you to complete. You have a responsibility. It is not up to the church, by the way, to spoon feed you everything. I've heard people think or even say, make comments that the church's responsibility is to teach me the word of God. We do teach you the word of God, but that's not our responsibility. It's your responsibility to also teach yourself the word of God. Our youth ministry, our children's ministry, we are not here to be the sole teachers of your youth or your children. That's the parent's job. We are here to supplement. We are here to help. We're here to assist. But it's the parent's job to be called for that responsibility. Every father is responsible to watch over and lead and disciple and protect and serve their family. Every mom is called to to help and lead their family. You're called to lead your children. 
You're called to make sure your children go to salvation, that they find salvation. Your job is to teach your children the things of God's word so they can grow in the knowledge of God, so they can make wise choices later. Your job is to step in and protect. Your job is to nourish and feed. Your job is to help them have a holy and godly life. Whether you're a parent or even a grandparent, you are part of that system. You could be an extended family member, you're still part of that system. We are called with a responsibility to be working on God's behalf, feeding God's people up until the day he returns. It's not just the church, it's not just the pastor, it is all of us. God has said this, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time. Who has God put you in charge of? In your job, are you in charge? Are you in charge maybe of employees? Are you in charge maybe of students? Are you in charge just to present a good example to those around you? to live a holy and godly life, to have an impact upon others. God has a calling on every one of our hearts. In fact, there are a lot of verses that deal with the calling of God on our lives. I don't even have time to even get into a fraction of those verses, but let me give you some of the examples of what God says about the calling he has put on our lives. Proverbs 31, open your mouth on behalf of those unable to speak for the justice of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, plead the cause of the poor and the needy. That's a responsibility he's given us. Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, relieve the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Micah 6, 8, has he not told you, mankind, humanity, what is Adonai seeking of you? only to practice justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That is a responsibility that he has given us. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's our responsibility. We are called to protect, to raise, to lead, to feed those that God has put under our care. And if you look around you, there's a lot of people whether it's children or grandchildren, whether it's friends or family members, whether it's coworkers or staff members, whatever it is, we are all called with a responsibility. Second thing about this parable that I want you to take notice of is that the faithful and wise servant not only has a calling, but we also have a concern. Now, what do I mean by concern? I mean an action. It is what we are called to actually do. Not only are we called but we are expected to actually go forward in that calling with an action. You can be called and deny it. You can be called and ignore it. You can be called and pretend like it never happened. But when you know that God has called me to do something, you have a responsibility and an action to move forward. Here's what Jesus says. Blessed is that servant whose master finds him so doing when he comes. Jesus is using this parable saying, look, I put a calling on your life. You have a charge. Now I expect you to do what I have charged you to do. We have a calling and we have a doing. We are called and we have a responsibility. And I'm gonna summarize our responsibility in two ways because I think this is what Jesus modeled. If you could summarize it all down to two words, here's what they are. We are to be doing 
We are, we are to be loving and leading. Those are the two things that Jesus did. He, he did more, but I'm summarizing it into two words, loving and leading. In his loving, he was feeding them. He was showing grace to them. He was, he was forgiving them. He was doing ministry with them, and he was leading them to where they needed to be. In our areas of influence, in our families, for example, we are called to love and to lead. Now, some of us are great at loving, and we're horrible at leading. In other words, I can love and love and love, and I can, I can overlook, and I can, and I can show grace, and I can show mercy, but I am horrible at leading them where they need to go. Others of us are great at leading, and we're horrible at loving. We're great at saying and telling people what they need to do, how they need to do it, the ways they need to do it, but we're horrible at loving them. Some of us are just terrible at both. We're terrible at loving and leading. Jesus modeled to us what it meant to love and to lead, and he is calling us to do both. In your family, in your household, in your areas of responsibility, as a wise and faithful servant, Jesus wants you to love and to lead. Love people where they're at, help them understand forgiveness, help them understand salvation, and lead them in discipleship to be a holy and godly person as they live out life. Are you doing both of those things? With your children, are you doing both of those things? With your grandchildren, are you doing both of those things? With your coworkers, with your employees, are you doing those things? A faithful and wise servant has a calling. They have a concern to be working, to be doing, and they also have a consequence. And the consequence Jesus lays out is both positive and negative. Look at it. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whose master finds him so doing when he comes. Amen. I tell you, his master will put him in charge of all of his possessions, meaning there is a positive consequence if you are fulfilling your calling and you are doing your calling up until the time Jesus returns. Not stopping, not quitting, doing what he has called you to do up until that moment. If you do, blessed are you. You're gonna have a reward of some kind. What does that mean? Put him in charge of all of his possessions? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. There's gonna be rewards in heaven. There's gonna be responsibilities in heaven, but I don't know exactly what that's going to be. But I do know that Jesus also lays out a negative consequence. And here's the negative consequence. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, my master is taking a long time. Jesus isn't coming back anytime soon. I have plenty of years before I die, I know. I'm not gonna die until I'm 95 years old. I know, I can live however I want, I can do whatever I want. Jesus isn't coming back, I'm not gonna die, I can do whatever I want. He's taken a long time. And he begins to beat his fellow servants. And he begins to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant is gonna come on a day when the one put in charge does not expect. How would you take that personally for us? 
Instead of loving your family and leading your family, instead you're beating your family. You're angry with your family. You have the wrath toward your family. You are being a jerk to your family. Instead of being a godly man in, or a godly woman at work, you are angry with your employees, cussing out the employees, cussing out your fellow workers. You're being a jerk to them, thinking, well, it doesn't matter. This whole religion stuff doesn't matter. There's gonna come a shock. And the shock will be that the Lord will return and it was not expected and you were not prepared. And here's the consequence. And he will cut him in two and assign his place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is the picture of what hell is. That is the picture of what God's wrath is when it is poured out upon this world. If we are not living our lives under his grace, if we are not living our lives connected to him as the source of our life, if we are not taking responsibility for the people he's put around us that we are in charge of, there is disaster that is coming. So how can we take all of that? Well, one is making sure that we are saved. Do, do you know that you're saved? Be saved is one of the most important parts of that. Do you know that you're right with God? Or are you saying, you know what, I don't need to worry about this. I'm gonna live for, for another, you know, however many years. I'm gonna live until I'm 95. The Lord isn't gonna return anytime soon. I don't have to worry about it. Okay, that's a dangerous way to live. You know what a better way to live is? Make sure that you're saved. Make sure that you're right with God. Make sure that if something were to happen to you, that you know that you will be with him for eternity. Be saved, be leading, be discipling, be helping your people around you. The people God has put you in charge of. You've got a responsibility and it's important for us to live up to the responsibility that God has now laid upon our shoulders. We can't stand before him and say, well, I never knew. I, ne I never knew I was supposed to do that, really. The word of God says it. The only reason you don't know is because you don't want to listen to it. And just like in the days of Noah, they didn't understand, meaning they had been warned, they just didn't care. Do you care? Will you be the leader that God has called you to be? Will you lead your family? Will you lead your kids? Will you lead your friends? Will you be a leader at work? Will you be a leader in your church? A leader in your small group? A leader in your Bible studies? Will you be a leader on the sports fields? Will you be a leader in your school? God has called us to be wise and faithful servants up until the time he either calls us home or the time that he returns to collect his bride. We're gonna close with a word of prayer and then we're gonna move into a time of baptisms. And so if you're one of those that are getting baptized, I'm gonna have Pastor Chris and Pastor Dave come up and assist with this. We're gonna move into that time of baptism. And as people are baptized, and I'll give a few instructions, I want you just to cheer and, cheer and to celebrate their decision to make this outward confession of the work that Christ has already done in their hearts. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that we would understand the calling that you have placed upon our lives.
This idea of calling, Lord, is all over the scriptures. You've called us to walk in a manner worthy of that calling that we have received. Lord, the way that we live our lives matters. Living lives, as Second Peter says, of godliness and holiness matters. And so, Lord, I, I pray today that we would repent if there are things in our hearts and things in our minds and things in our lives, actions that we have done that are contrary to you, help us, Lord, to repent, to ask for forgiveness, and turn toward you. Lord, for maybe the guys that are looking at things that they know they shouldn't be looking at. Maybe for the ones that are consuming things that they know they shouldn't be consuming. Maybe for those that are watching the things that they know they shouldn't be watching. For those that are doing things that are contrary to your word, who feel that sense of conviction right now, I pray, Lord, as they just confess that to you, that you would forgive and that you would be with them going forward. Lord, help us to be wise and faithful when it comes to what you've put us in charge of. For our families, Lord, help us to be wise and faithful leaders. In our church, help us to be wise and faithful leaders. In our schools, help us to be wise and faithful leaders. In our workplaces, help us to be wise and faithful leaders. Help us to be working for you, making a difference for you, until the day that you call us home or until the day that you return. Now for these baptisms, Lord, I pray that this would be a blessed time in their lives, that this would be a wonderful, a wonderful decision and a wonderful remembrance, that they will for years be able to look back on the, on the day that they were baptized, the day that they made a public confession of faith, saying, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you for our time together today. Now bless this time of baptisms. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. Hey, I hope that you have a great day, and may God bless you.